welcome to Mind Crime Liberty Show with me, Swin Dobson, and him, Tim Patton. Today we discuss are teachers and college professors prison guards? Tim. This is a theory I've been working on for some time um, in my mind. Uh, there seems to be two, possibly third, roles for educators, teachers, and college professors. Obviously, education, but also discipline. And discipline is a topic we'll get into later here. But, but uh, again, you could also say research and writing would be a third role, but this isn't the wing facing the students. In many cases, the intellectuals doing this are just rogue persons, the ones doing research, or have no teacher-facing responsibilities. As much as you don't like the guy, it's even though Fauci might work for Georgetown, I doubt he's... He's more of a ceremonial teacher, but, you know, in other instances, like, they're just sort of ceremonial teachers. They're not doing things to undergraduates, and particularly undergraduates who are on the margins, so to speak. Uh, one of the comments that Mark Fisher, who himself was a uh, uh, university professor, made in Capitalist Realism, was that they had to be disciplinarian proto-parents as well as entertainers. In my limited experience of teaching, I would agree I mean, teaching a large class of, class of strange children who aren't the most motivated requires a kind of discipline. In a strange sense, I've empathized with, with my former middle school and high school teachers, as well as college professors, after doing some experience in it. Um, now, I do think empathy is a word that's overused. But I do think order is a necessary feature once you get over, like, five students. Um it's a scaling problem. Like things that work within groups that are smaller may not work within groups that are older, larger. And also the strangers part is relevant too. Um, because in a sense you don't know them. And this goes with the proto parent stuff comes in. So why, why, why do I do this to continue? Um, why am I, why am I using this? I think this is a, this is a rhetorical strategy in a sense. I'm using the word prison. Because one can attack the institutional structure, you know, don't hate the person, hate the sin, or don't hate the capitalists, hate capitalism. And good Marxists will make that criticism. Like, you shouldn't dislike Elon Musk or Bill Gates, you should dislike capitalists. That's something like Crotone or Malpin would do. Um, um, th those are, to me, examples of good Marxists. Um, and, but, you know, when, when, for example, school shooters happened, I mean, most of them clearly aren't treated very well or didn't have the best experience during school. And this is also true for the underclass of blacks in the United States, as well as increasingly whites and others. They don't, they don't seem to enjoy this, the, the formal part of school very well. They, they get uh, juvenile delinquency rates, they get like um, the fights, and of course they get bullied or, or the ones doing the bullying. Um, um, so, so, so when, when so when a when a school shooting happens, for example, I'm not really surprised. I mean, again, I wouldn't do one. Just just FYI, anyone who's looking looking to flag me, red flag me. Uh, I wouldn't do them for the same reason that I wouldn't join the U.S. military to go bomb Russians. I mean, I mur if murderers are wrong, it's wrong in almost all instances. Um, but but in terms of revolutionary things, uh, the institutions. Uh, must be attacked, reformed, and abolished. And there's an old PFS lecture, and this is why I think left libertarians as well as anarchists, Marxists, and right libertarians need to think more clearly about school. Um, and because because the school system, you know, the, the references um, a, 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 a French general after the Franco-Prussian War, the French lost the Franco-Prussian War, and he said the school teacher won that war, the school teacher will win the next war. I mean, the Prussians were integral to creating the modern school system here, and and again, the corporate system. Again, that, that's 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 the feeding grounds for that. So, for left libertarians to dislike the authoritarian corporate system, where does that training come from? It comes from the public school university system, which gets very positively positively um, um, shown. You know, like if I was a if, if, if I showed up to Porkfest or some left or a left libertarian thing and said I was a prison guard, people wouldn't look at me very well. Correctly so. If I, if I showed up as a Raytheon contractor and said you know, I'm selling weapons to, I'd correctly get criticized. But if I said I was a public educator, then, you know, see now, or a university professor, which many of them are, 
Um, um, so, so even even people I like, someone like Keith Preston, you know, I think it is. I do think there is a job, and um, I do think even even for the higher education, there is a sense in which it's an unfree choice. Um, um, you're telling people to be quiet and marking papers what you need to get better employment or decent employment. Yes, there are people who run the end zone, um, or do an end zone route and just become entrepreneurs. But like, if you want to work for most things, it's satirist paribus. It's better. And this is Brian Kaplan, his case against education and sheep signaling stuff. Satirist paribus. If you want to work for a, get a job, almost it's always better to have more education than less education. And actually, if you want to get licensing in many instances, you have to have education. Um, so, like, it's in some sense, it's an unfree choice, including universities. So I don't think there's a distinction between... There is a, some distinctions, so I'll grant them. But, like, universities are not much different than 13, 14, 15, 16th grade. So, um, so I think... So who are some of the best people critiquing schools? Well, I think people like Ivan Illich, people like Michelle Foucault, people like Thaddeus Russell are some people do it. But I don't think there's enough. And I think from a 30,000-foot view, I, one reason I didn't say police, because I don't think school teachers are police in that sense, because police deal with the truly um, vagrant people or whatever. Again, you could get annoyed at that word usage. Um, but, like... Um, and schools are also stationary. Because, again, from the 30,000-foot view, if, if an alien or, or anthropologist came to our society, there's a lot of similarities between um, public schools and prisons. I mean, and actually, one of the funny things about the school shootings has been is that schools are now more militarized. Um, so, like, the walls around them are very intent on keeping the people in in and keeping people out out. Um, so they can't see in and vice versa. You know, the, the image of like this one room schoolhouse or whatever that talks, the, you know, with the number one Apple th teachers. Like that's that's very much going the way, especially in the center cities, but increasingly in the suburbs and elsewhere. So the militarization of schools is another factor that's happening. Now the schools have cops in them, and so to speak. So So, you know, you could start seeing more blowback towards the institution here. So again... Many of the people, my problem is, many of the people who are social critics work for this institution. That's why I'm calling them, um, that's why I'm calling them prison guards here. So, so, I, I, I have more to say here, but I'm going to stop here, Swithin, and get what your take on this. Um, so, am I, am I, am I right in the sense that this is under-criticized institution in society? Yes, you can find people, but, like, bosses... Like even even in libertarian circles, there is some critique of corporations as being state backed, uh, even in right libertarian circles. Now, maybe not enough to make people like Keith Preston happy, but I would respond by saying, like, well, a lot of things originate from schools, and I see hardly any other than token criticisms um, made at this. Well, am I am I am I am I in a sense correct here? Because um, Swithin, what would you say about my? take here and isn't the analogy of them being prison guards right so is your analogy of the prison guard right in a way yes in that uh the people who are there um don't want to be there to a large extent and their job is to keep them there and do what they're supposed to do so in in that respect yes they are similar although uh I suppose, though, you could make the argument that uh, prison prison guards are useful in certain respects, in that uh, assuming they have the the inmate has actually committed the crime of a of a genuine sort, that um, you know you could make an argument for imprisonment. I think prison, if we discussed before, is a very bad form of punishment anyway. But I mean, is it immoral per se? Probably not. So. Whilst it's true, I think that they are similar. I think we can't entirely discount the utility of a prison guard. Um, related, though, to whether uh, education such as under criticized institution, well, I think it certainly is, um, because I think what you really need to do, if you're going to criticize an emeritus, the, the K through twelve. Um, terminology, like the under-18 stuff, um, to genuinely critique um, the education system, 
you have to at the same time support child labor because especially beyond the ages like 13 14 I mean, if that's not going to happen, they're going to be in some form of employment of some description or some form of occupation if they're going to be self-employed or something. Uh, which actually Jeffrey Tucker, who is kind of over the map a bit, really, if you want to call him a writer of F libertarian. I mean, I generally put him on the left to some extent, but he is a consistent supporter of uh, child labor. Um, so I, I think that's one reason why it is under criticized, because really you end up having to do that because... Although, uh, even talk about Ivan Illich or John Taylor Gatto or whatever, or oh, another another guy uh, who you may not be aware of um, called A.S. Neal, who pioneered the democratic free schools. Uh, the famous one in America is Sudbury Valley School, uh, which is where the kids basically do what they want all day. And they have like uh, school meetings in which uh, kids have the same number of votes as the um, uh, this teacher's at the school to decide what they want to happen there. Um, so you can go that way, but unless you go that way, the only other critique, if you have, well, what's an alternative, you would have to go with um, probably some form of employment, which then gets you into sort of the child labor discussions. Um, when it comes to university, I think university is even less criticized. And you are right. Lots of these are academics. Um, and, in most cases, you know, they are funded by, well, not in all cases, but the state universities, they have uh, that there. Uh, a lot of the time people go there because um, it's a way of getting licensing in certain, certain ways, in particular law and uh, medicine, uh, probably also engineering, although I'm not entirely sure on engineering. Um, and so, you know, would would the universe system as such as, as it presently exists, exist in a free society? No. Because the signaling that, as Brian Kaplan points out, the main purpose of the education system, economically speaking, seems to be signaling. If you have more education, it means you're probably more intelligent and more diligent. It doesn't make you more intelligent or more diligent. It's just a very cheap signal to employers. So to a large extent, I do see the school system, and it's certainly true in the UK, it's a subsidy to corporations, primarily. In the absence of that, they have to do it themselves. So you have more, more sort of, corporate corporation stuff level education you might get more use of things like non-compete agreements whereby you know you're trained at one place and you can't go and work for a competitor from until after a certain time has lapsed so that their training doesn't get utilized by another company it would be more like that so i, I fail to see that universities would exist um in anything remotely in remotely the same way as it does today and if people you did get people going there uh, there were people probably just actually interested in the topics in question. Um, you know, the more of the intrinsically motivated individuals. Uh, because, I mean, most people at university are entirely extrinsic. I mean, why did you do economics so you can get a job and get a good job? That's it. They weren't really interested in economics as such. I was like one of the very few number who were um, at university. Now, coming back to the ad hominem things as to respect to sort of like libertarian professors or whatever, you know, is it a contradiction? Uh, but they work in such institution. Well, I don't think necessarily that's the case. I think the question is one of, 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 I don't think it's necessarily the case because I think in principle, there are good things that do take place there. It's not entirely bad. It's not like, for instance, I mean, I, I, I would think it more dubious if you work for the IRS. I think, well, that's kind of an in principle bad organization and therefore you shouldn't work for it. Um, Whereas school in or university in principle, in certain ways, there are good things that come of it. Um, and also um, the, you can make the pragmatic claim that, well, it's better that you propagandize some people than them to be propagandized by the enemy. Um, and so on like a pragmatic basis, you could make a defense of it. Uh, I suppose you could argue that's my justification because I'm a tutor. Uh, so I'm not actually in a classroom, if I have been in historically. Um, so no one's forced to come to me, although my business is basically based around the fact that they want to do this exam system, which is basically created by the state. Um, but I don't have to enforce ridiculous rules and various things. And to a large extent, people want to come to me, although it's clear in the past I've had people have been there because their parents want to go. But again, that's more of a species of you could refer to as like parental authoritarianism as opposed to um, a more broad sort of institutionalized 
uh, uh, one. Uh, although, and aside with that, uh, Goofy Gillis, as uh, Keith Preston calls him, of the Centre for Stateless Society, said it was uh, did, did did say that uh, public school was preferable to homeschooling because um, at least when public schooling you you get good progressive education, where whereas you could be indoctrinated with reactionary views at home. Um, so um, yes, um, Mr. Gillis is hardly the most consistent uh, critique of certain. Uh, as you could call authoritarian institutions. So I think I think schools are one of the genuinely new things about modernity here. Um, you recently on Todd Lewis are talking about technology here. And I think I think in terms of tech and sort of institutional technology, schools conducted en masse are like the genuinely different thing about current day. United States, Europe, as well as Japan, Taiwan, and elsewhere. I think that's the genuinely, like, like because it, it, in this sense, education was invented. Um, yes, the elites went there to colleges, and again, it's the whole process. I'm not, I don't want to make a distinction between in you know, the first twelve grades and or the first six grades and the after, because I think I think today you have to sort of take it as a whole process here of education. <clears throat> um. um um, and, you know, to go back to the stuff on Foucault and Ivan Illich and stuff like that, I think I think critiquing schools as a form of greater presence is an under-argued argue thing. And I oftentimes think it's under-argued precisely because of that, because of that reason here, because because the the people in them tend to either be some of the biggest system defenders and beneficiaries. So as much as school teachers here in the United States like to argue they're underpaid, if you look at the amount of education and the amount of hours they work, um, they're not. Uh, um, I mean, they don't make as much money as they want to, uh, which but that's true of almost everybody. Um, that's you know that's not that's not like a thing that's uh, only they're that's only it's not a thing that's only they have uh, and their union in the united states as people like betty russell and even chris catron would point out is a racket basically um um i don't know what the situation in europe or england or asia is but i know the situation in the united states fairly well and the united states is the leading leading imperial and and well for that matter economic power so it does matter probably more than other things uh, matters um so 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 i as far as your comment on Walter Block, Walter Block on this topic is generally honest here. I think your pragmatic justification could also apply to the IRS or the FBI. Would you rather a liberta- should a libertarian work for the FBI? Well, think of someone it would be even worse if it was a non-libertarian. So I do think there's a case to be made that maybe people should go to these things. But then this is this is the corruption point here. Um, that, you know, like, if you go to these, if you join these institutions, aren't you just being corrupted? And I think this is, like, one of the reasons why it doesn't get critiqued, is it's so ubiquitous, um, like, you know, that it's, it's in a sense, it, in a sense, it, it isn't, of course it isn't critiqued. I mean, it's because it's just like, it's just like something, it's, it's like going after, you know, the mailman or going after, um, plumbers. Um, so now you made a comment, and I'm going to go this where are are they useful? Um, because because you, you, I entirely agree with you on the child labor part. That's part of the invention of schooling. Um, because b- b- formerly people worked, or they just started. You know, the, people worked very early on, um, for better or for worse. And I always I always would state that you know school is just a form of work. Like you know, so if you if you're gonna critique child labor laws, you should you should critique any form of of schoolwork that is involuntary, which for most people is everything. <laughs> like the you know, I would not, I would definitely not do the things that they would tell me to do, unless there was this sort of threat of violence or threat of future inability to be employed. Um. So so in that sense, so so what would be the alternative? To schooling and do, does the current system produce utility? Well, obviously it produces utility in the sense that if utility is only what people say it is, people people do it. 
Um, now, if you totally, if you got rid of the tax base component, I still think for some time it would exist um, because people just are traditional for in the bad sense of the word they're traditional. Although I would say they're not traditional enough because if you go back to the 1840s and 1830s, mass schooling didn't exist like this. So, so in this sense, this is an invention in modernity and the industrial revolution here. It's not, it's not something that was, you know, a thousand year old institution. Um, 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 yes, you do have institutions, higher education, like, like, you know, Aquinas and other people historically, but who went there and why did they go there is the question. Um, not, not, and how ubiquitous were they? Um, um, so, so one of the things they do do, and I mentioned this, is discipline. They do, in a sense, uniformitize people. Um, they do get them used to following rules, getting following orders, showing up on time, and so forth. Here, um, you know, this is where this is like Mark Fisher talks about this, and that's one of the things I respect Mark Fisher, um, paradoxically, because I'm aware of what he's a wit. He doesn't have a view of being a college professor as being this wonderful thing. He knows there's an implicit prison guardish violence behind it. Um, um, that that in a sense you are forcing people to do things. You might not be doing it exactly, okay. And the right libertarians are okay with forcing people to do things like this. This is the interesting thing here. So, like, if I if I if I steal your property. You know, most right libertarians, all right libertarians, almost by definition, even even the pacifist one, that's the, the, they'll have a carve out. If I actually own that, you know, I'm allowed to defend myself. But like, if I if I if I talk back to a teacher, or I um um don't show up time, do I still can do can I still get a good grade or something like that? See, now we're getting the murky areas of like what schooling actually does here. And it's sort of like weird in between zone um, um, thing because I I wouldn't sit in the classroom or I wouldn't sit in the cafeteria of most schools voluntarily and I never did as a child either. I mean, in a sense, I did it voluntarily, but it, it it's no more voluntary voluntary than a DUI checkpoint is voluntarily. Like you know, well, if I want to take this main highway. And if you try to turn around in a DOI checkpoint, they'll go after you anyway. Um, you're not really free to go. You're not really, again, they're totally against all the amendments. And in places like Europe and Australia, they have them even more. Um, so I would say they're about as free as a DUI checkpoint is, is in many cases. So, Swithin, what do you make of my rambling things? Is there a utility? Do you, university professors as well as school teachers provide utility in forcing discipline upon Young people, um, I'm I'm willing to say they do, do they that's that in, in certain cases is a benefit because if you want to do something difficult you do have to be disciplined, um, you know you do have to show time preference. This is more of your area here. I mean, so there's a strange sense in which historically schools were schools would lead with the discipline point. Now it's pushed now it's pushed down more. People don't talk about it as much, and I think it's not it's not. I think that's strategic because they know it's, in a sense, against the formal ideals of our society here, I would say. Um, so then what do you make of this claim here? Because educators clearly do do this, even the ones that don't say they do this. The mere fact of them, the mere fact of you having to show up, unless you just were given A's, regardless of what you did. I mean, that would be, that would be a way that would de-violencize it by my terms. If you got an A and you got a letter of recommendation regardless of what you did, regardless of what you said, then then you could say it. But then if everyone did this, people would quickly find out that universities aren't... The signal would go away. I mean, this is what Brian Kaplan would point out. The signal would go away. You can, you can, you can pass through a few people this way, but you can't do this in an essay. So with him. I think that's an interesting uh, question. So when it comes to discipline... Um, I do think that, well, let's define terms. I think discipline, I suppose you could say, is um, continuing to do something uh, when the uh, immediate 
costs are greater than the benefits. Um, so that's what discipline is. I mean, am I disciplined if I eat the cake? Well, no, that wouldn't seem to be considered discipline. Um, whereas if I refuse to eat the cake and I eat, uh, and I don't eat, I refuse to eat because I'm fasting, for instance, and that would be considered discipline because the, uh, or disciplined because, you know, I'm engaging in something which is unpleasant. Uh, but, um, the question as to whether discipline is good or not depends on the goal to which it's directed. Um, schooling, you mentioned schooling is interesting, um, because, um, I believe I remember correctly, Henry VIII founded Eton, I think. Um, and it is true that a lot of the, the, the sons of aristocracy were sent to schools um, in sort of, uh, well, they may have had tutors as well. And the idea was it was supposed to be relatively harsh um, uh, in, so, and disciplined in that sense. But the purpose was to was character formation. And I think primarily so that they would end up being um, well-rounded individuals. And they would be able to like take their father's seat when he died as as lord or or aristocrat of certain things. So even though it was disciplined, it was it was trying to it seemed to be to some ex, to a large extent creating this kind of um, disciplined, skilled individual. Uh, I believe as well that John Taylor Ghetto in his work cited elite private boarding schools as still having this type of ethos. Um, which he was actually sort of fond of. He wasn't necessarily fond of the discipline aspect per se, but that's focusing on uh, tasks that. So, I mean, one example he says that they that he got some of his kids in his school to do was to go to say, I think he basically dropped them off in like a random place and told them to get back home. Uh, now, in, in the days of um, uh, not having the internet and GPS system, that required some skill. Uh, and trying to you know, deal with sort of uh, a difficult situation. I don't think he exactly did that. Or maybe he got them to pre-plan out like a massive walking route or something like that. And, uh, but I, I think things do change in mass schooling because the goal in mass schooling clearly is not to create the, uh, the creation of this sort of disciplined, um, thoughtful, skilled individual. The, the purpose of schooling is just to pass tests and to be employed in by corporations. I mean, as I say, that's that's certainly the case in the, in the UK. Uh, well, the compulsory schooling system it, it, it was justified on that basis in the late nineteenth century. Um, now, does that provide some utility? I mean, for some people, I mean, some people do enjoy school. I mean, some kids would turn up anyway; they'd like it. Uh, not many, I would say. Uh, and you know, you do get some value out of it. I mean. When you think consider opportunity cost, is it a good thing? Probably not. Um, but just on, was the experience entirely negative? Well, no. I mean, for one thing, um, we discussed this in the beforehand. You know, like kids, are, the boys typically like the sports program. I mean, that's the stuff they actually try in and the thing that they actually like doing. Um, and you can learn some useful bits of information. I had some interesting conversations. I more, more I was like 16, 17 with teachers there. Uh, I remember, for instance, I didn't do philosophy, but I got on well with a guy who taught philosophy. And, you know, he, he wanted, he had, he, he, he suggested I read Henry George's Progress and Poverty. He was, uh, oh, Henry George was the Georgist founder, because um, he, he was a Georgist. I remember talking to him about it. I was like, oh, I was quite good. Good, good. He, he lent me his book. I read it and I talked to him about it. So that was quite positive. So um, there are, there, there, there is some utility. You do learn some useful things there. Um, I would say just to defend my position before, with the IRS, I mean, the only thing that they you can do as an IRS guy is to be as lax as possible. That's the only possible benefit you can provide uh, as an IRS agent. Whereas at least in even in sort of industrial schooling, there is some sort of benefit that you can provide people, uh, kids. Um, so I would say that um, discipline, whether discipline is good or not, depends on the goal to which the discipline is ordered. And if the goal is good, then the discipline might be good, it might be bad. It's going to depend on the circumstances 
but in principle could be good. But of course, if it's oriented to something that's largely bad, then of course it's not great. You know, you said that interestingly that, that um, uh, the schools are sort of less authoritarian than they used to be, which is kind of true in certain respects, but still underlying the bell goes uh, and you've got to go at the right time, whatever. And again, you've got still the implicit sort of uh, authoritarianism with teachers and pupils that still exist. I mean, what you're talk, you've talked about so far is a classic Marxist critique of the schooling system. Uh, Bowles and Gintis were uh, sociologists in the 70s in England who think they coined the term the hidden curriculum, the thing that you learn, which is sort of inherent in the system. It's not explicitly taught, but it's implicitly taught with respect to the bell goes, you go to the class, the bell goes again, you move somewhere else. Implicitly, you listen to whoever's at the front, you can't leave unless you have permission to leave stuff like that. Um, so I, I still think that's very much um, there. Oh, also, one other thing, this is something I should mentioned earlier is, um, no, one classic, one th- explanation as to why schools are massively under critiqued is, you kind of think that in the case of school shootings, you go, was school a good place to be? Why is it the schools keep getting shot up? What, what, why isn't, why isn't uh, McDonald's getting shot up? because people kind of like going to mcdonald's um i mean i mean i imagine they have been shot up on the past and i just look at the relative um instances but uh, or, or even this if you get people who are attacking sports stadia or blowing themselves up which i don't know if that's happened i mean the people who are blowing themselves up um are doing it because lots of the people like being there it's not that they disliked being there uh, whereas in the case of schools, it's very much the case of, I didn't like it here and I didn't like the people. So I'm going to remove them from the earth. Uh, so every time a school shooting happens, you should be like, well, you know, our school's good. It should be the question, which is never asked. Well, oddly enough, many teachers don't like being there and wouldn't be there if they weren't paid. Um, so there is a, there's an interesting thing in there. It's not all, not all of them have that, that viewpoint. Some of them are doing it as just a job, which is fine. I mean, I, I don't, I'm, when it comes to alienation and life calling, I'm, I'm, I'm suspicious. One of the difference between schooling compared to work. So like the hamburgers, like McDonald's, like, or whatever, Walmart, think of the worst corporation you can think of, you know, Pennsylvania Railroad. Like, it's quite clear that the service wouldn't be provided if they didn't show up to work service wouldn't provide it. If a hunter-gathered or primitivist tribe didn't go out and fish, they wouldn't be able to eat. Okay? I mean, that's that's like, in a simple thing, it's strictly necessary. Like, so like, if you want to have fast food hamburgers, if you want to have trucks, if you want to have plumbing, you need to do work. Um, um, in our society, we have yet to invent robots, a la Chomsky, to do all our work. And even to maintain those robots, you need to do work. So this is the utility of working here. School is like work, but doesn't have any explicit utility. You know, like doing a writing a paper that no one wants to read. I mean, this is what David Friedman's daughter, not that I stalked the Friedmans, but I remember him saying this, you know, and I have the same view is no one wants to read the paper that the undergraduates write. The undergraduates don't want to write the paper. Um, why are they writing the paper here? Because neither the person wants to read it or or research it. Now, you could say, well, there's a, this discipline in this nature where they're learning how to do it. Um, but unlike with, you know, the, you know, the jet engine mechanic or whatever, there isn't like, you know, like something's being fixed or created or maintained um, that, you know, that in the sort of other examples of, of employment, that isn't being the case with schools. So my question here is, is, is is why you could see you could imagine like they did like for example with the lockdowns this is an interesting thing they did close down the schools um, and civilization did not fall apart if you shut down all the nuclear power plant technicians and all the uh, fossil fuel you know distributed networks civilization would fall apart a la, sorry Todd Lewis it would um, we would all starve to death um, if those people didn't go into work. Um, or, the, uh, you know, if no one planted crops. So in this sense, it's labor which is pointless, or seemingly pointless. I mean, the only point of it is a social point. I mean, it's it's a kind of signal, like, you know, obviously you couldn't get, obviously, like, 
if you want to succeed at a given institution, you have to do what the institution tells you. So in that sense, it's useful. But in like in the Marxist sense of the usefulness, you could, as well as the right libertarian, as Hoppe would say, um, they tend to agree on a lot of things. And this is why I, I come to this from a right libertarian perspective. Um, they don't seem to be. They don't seem to be. You can imagine a society without it. All right. So, so what would that society look like? We've talked about this somewhat, um, and I don't mean to make this the entire episode here, um, but like, how much do you think of the, like, like when, like sometimes when people critique schools, I think, I, I totally agree with them, and but then one of the criticisms that they'll get is, what would be the alternative here? Now, I do think that we would not have as highly authoritarian. Like, I do think it would be harder to have military soldiers, corporate drones, and so forth, if you got rid of the schooling system. Um, this is why I think left libertarians, instead of critiquing racism, anytime they should critique, they should just go out and uh, uh, criticize schools instead. I mean, that, would to me, would be much more useful than, you know, critiquing... And, and, a lot of, and a lot of people will say you need to be more local about your criticisms. Well, what's more local than your school district here? So I do think, I do think an assault, an intellectual assault, has to be waged against the the people who work there and the people who go there. You are right that pe- many people do enjoy them, but I question why they enjoy it, and then question what exactly do they enjoy about it. Like the the fact that the sports programs are the probably the pe- thing that people like the most. You know, I I think this is in a sense where the um in a sense where like you could they have the term sports washing when like Dubai or whatever does uh programs to kind of clean up their reputation. I think there's a similar thing at play here with schools because sports didn't used to be as big in schools. And I reckon this because because there was more respect for what schools People were harsher. You know, when you talk about bordering schools being harsh, I do think historically there was a mentality for public schools to repeat the same thing, um, to be kind of harsh. Now, now again, to go back to, there might it might actually be good. Like I'm I'm right libertarian enough where like I think, you know, you know, like you know, if you like, go out in the cold weather, for example, you know, and try to, you know. Being out and be out in six degree weather for ten hours. It's I mean I've done it. It's you know you, you wouldn't necessarily choose firsthand to do that, but like you know after surviving it, it's great. You know it's like wow I can you know there are certain things where the, the harshness like I'm not that would be my critique of the people who could who critique the sins like maybe maybe there is some utility to their harshness, and but then as you stated, what's the actual goal? And as I would say, it's just. There isn't really, unlike with other workplaces that produce functional things, school has no functional product um, in the in the first order, in the first order of things. So, what then? What do you make of this? Would you agree that they don't have a product? Like, would you agree that if schools stopped working, we wouldn't starve to death tomorrow? Now, maybe in thirty years you would, if if the ev- ed- education advocates are right, but. I mean, this is where I reckon they might be wrong, and we might be able to do, to do better. I, I'm not an advocate of extra discipline than that what is strictly speaking necessary, and that's one of the reasons why I attack schools, unlike I unlike workplaces. I think just um, go to question as to what people like about schools. Um, I think some people do like the highly structured um, situation where. Uh, they are taught by somebody who knows more in general, hopefully, about a subject and can talk them through it. I think some people do enjoy that. And if they have a wide range of interests, um, then that's quite good and and, and they like that. Um, I would say that they're typically female uh, in most cases because um, given the type of curriculum you have is much broader than I think most boys would want to engage in because they tend to be much more specialists. Um, that, um, that those are the types of uh, the sort of intellectuals of education stuff that they actually um, actually like. Oh, uh, and, and also um, people always like, kids tend to like, oh, the school trips, but that's the thing, it's not in school, or when they bring people from outside of school to do stuff. 
who didn't otherwise do it. Like, um, for some reason, one of my tutees said that they went in and they had this kind of like mobile zoo had turned up and they had like reptiles they could hold and stuff. It's like, well, that's not really normal school. Uh, but th- th- there are things that they, um, that some people do enjoy. Um, if schools collapse, would society collapse? Well, no, uh, because um, as I had in my speech, um, schools versus education. Education exists in things other than schools. Um, now, I do think in a free society, there would probably be school-like institutions, although I expect that uh, most kids wouldn't go there full-time, probably because of the expense. Why do I say that? Because, as you pointed out, you know, getting more than five people, in my experience, about eight, maybe seven you know, if you get beyond the critical mass, um, the type and quality of interaction you can have with someone who's like teaching you is much lower. And so the benefit of being in person just just diminishes. And when you get beyond that, you then have to engage in sort of like the um, the the methods of keeping people, you could call, call, call the authoritarian methods to keep them in line uh, beyond a certain level. So with the current state of technology, I would expect uh, if schools did exist, they would have very, very, very small class sizes because that would be the benefit of um, of being there in person. Uh, and it makes sense to have lots of people in the same place just because from the perspective of both uh, the sort of teacher and the kid, they can do more in a shorter space of time if you have to travel between places. Uh, so there is a benefit of everyone being kind of in one place. But... I doubt that it would be on a full-time basis. You would do something else as well. Or you do other things maybe at home and maybe, um, I mean, th- there are various online things, you do, like online lessons. But I mean, you, that, that's basically kind of like school, as it were. But you don't have to go unless your parents make you go, I suppose. Um, but it's kind of online and you just follow what they do and you can talk across and you can send messages through. But it, it's almost like a public lecture more than anything else. Um, and, but the the situation where you have these rigid like nine till three, Monday to Friday institutions of class sizes of like 25 to 35, I think simply would not exist because it just doesn't make sense from an educational standpoint. Um, you raise an interesting point as well with respect to like university. I mean, the, the problem with university is, well, I don't even know if there's a point to universities as such. Uh, I'm I'm getting increasingly dubious of any institution other than the commercial one um, because of how you determine whether it's succeeding at what it's doing or not. Um, so getting people to like fund people to go to like an educational institution. The problem is the person who's funding it, how do they know that the institution is doing what they want them to do or whether they're doing it well? When you have a situation where the customer, the, the, the recipient of the service isn't actually kind of the customer, you create problems and they're very difficult to um, for, uh, work with uh, to, to determine whether they're performing well. Uh, I'm increasingly more fond of having a group of independent researchers who just research what they kind of uh, find of interest or maybe um, companies will fund them as well because they think some of the results might be commercially useful. And then people go and follow individuals or small groups of individuals that they would like to work with um because you're right i mean why would the professor want to read an undergrad's thing well they wouldn't uh, unless of course you thought the undergrad was interesting and they'd researched there and they thought you know this would be good for their development and they wanted to write it uh you know if you had a someone who was like your apprentice as it were who'd gone out and put effort into writing something they thought was of interest you know you'd be probably interested in reading it uh but very much again the sort of industrialized, corporatized education thing, you, you write this paper because you have to, is is basically worthless. Uh, I mean, yes, you might learn some things uh, doing that. Oh, okay, well, I mean, you do get the, the discipline of actually, you, you probably read more than you otherwise would. Uh, and so in that respect of doing that dis- thing is probably where the value is. But learning how to format it properly or write a bibliography, who cares? It's just an artifact of the of the system. I mean, there's not really any sort of genuine content to that in an intellectual sense. Um, So um, that's not 
much value at all. So um, that's, I, I think we'd have a more extreme system. It would be more sort of corporations doing their own training, um, individual small bands who are focused on ideas, um, public lectures online with loads and loads and loads of people there, or very, very, very small in-person stuff. I, I think that's what you would look like, more than likely. Um, what do you make of my alternative proposed grading system there? I, I said that that one way to get rid of any threat will be, say, you're guaranteed an A regardless of what you did or didn't do. Uh, now, the problem with this is, of course, is if too many people find out about this, people have ideas of what school is, and in some sense, we already have this grading system. So if you're guaranteed to pass and get an A and get a good level of recommendation regardless of your work, you could call this, you could call this, you call this grace. Because this is granted grace or something like that. Um, would this, because because there's a certain sense in which schools, by being, by being, by being, by having the sheep sing signaling, like whoever grade, whoever, if you, the threat of being failed out of the class or not getting sufficient grade to pass the test or not knowing to pass the test, because the test ends up being the point this university system here you know people get annoyed about this but like in a sense all that matters is the test like like you know all that matters is what what are the requirements to pass it doesn't really matter if you're interested in socrates or interested in economics or interested in biology all that matters is is whether or not you pass the tests or not because that's the quote-unquote objective standard here uh, or now in the more writing infused like softer areas the writing does matter but in a sense all that matters is making the, the professor happy i mean this is again with a power where in a sense a college professor is like your boss my 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 political science like see i i had the annoying thing as of later in my last year of college where i'd argue with the my uh professors about uh, uh things in the back of my mind i thought is this going to affect my grade uh, by holding increasingly verboten views which are opposed? Um, you know, I, I said that political scientists are mostly fraudulent. And I, and I you know, I did mean that as a, a personal critique, too. It wasn't just an institutional critique. And so this is where I think they are like prison guards in the sense that they even, even, because like, well, I mean, I already invested what my parents did to be precise, but whether you're paying for it or your parents are paying or the state is paying for it or merely the fact of opportunity cost, um, there's a certain things, there's certain ways in which you're somewhat unfree. If John Searle or Ed Fezzer or Chris Catrone gives a lecture online and I trash the lecture, I punch a bunch of holes in it, they don't, there's nothing they can do to me. But if I was their student, this is, this is the difference here. You know, they can threaten I can't get a good job in the future. People say, well, and then this is Brian Kaplan point out. You did three years of college. Why didn't you finish it, buddy? Um, you know, the, those type of questions here. You know, like the some college gets slight employment premium, but not nearly as much as college. You have to complete the sheepskin. So this is the this is the quote unquote violence that is play here. Um, that all that almost all professors, teachers, educators do. Um, um, and you know, it, it, my, my point is if they didn't do it in massive, um, people would stop, people would stop seeing the utility in it. I mean, this is what sports is actually more quote unquote natural. Cause like, if you don't show up to practice, you don't put the work in or maybe music programs have the same thing. You obviously won't produce as good of a symphony or you won't beat the other team or you'll get embarrassed by the other team. But to go back to schooling, you know, if you don't write, like, it, schooling stops, no one, you know, as schools were shut down and things didn't, you know, you know, like, things didn't fall apart here. So, Swithin, what would you go to my proposed grading system? And are you, do you think I'm right in the sense that they do, you know, like, like, there's a lot of critique of bossism. But in that sense, you know, there is a limit of, like, now, to be fair, they weren't, they did not... They did not, although I think my history professor clearly didn't like me. <laughs> um, she, um, I, I, maybe, maybe she did. I don't know. Um, but to be fair, they did, they didn't fail me um, because I think they couldn't. But 
I mean, I, I, I do think there is favoritism, obviously. Um, and I do think there are certain views which are more allowed than other views. Um, so, so, so if I dig deeper into my university experience, I mean, I, I see a lot of crossover with employment, but, but my thing is employment has a useful function in the way that you going, writing papers and passing tests don't. So what would you propose to my grading system as an alternative? And do you think people would care about as much? Uh, because I mean, I do like, like, oddly enough, I do like watching lectures, there's no, there's nobody holding some sort of bag over my head, some over there. So then, what would you say to this comment? Well, clearly, yeah. I mean, if you just give everybody an A, then the only people who wanted to turn up would turn up. Um, that's certainly true. Um, given the nature of the system at present, is that like, is that a good idea? I mean, individually, I mean. As a, as a professor, you're unlikely to do very well. Although, I mean, as a side, I mean, what you could do instead of this is rather than being a, a, a harsh grader, you could get a reputation to being a soft grader, a relatively easy one. Interestingly, and I was surprised by this, Hans Hopper has a rep, had a reputation for being a pretty generous grader and wouldn't give you particularly difficult tests, which I suppose you could argue is the... Uh, like, an acceptable medium for the institution that you are at least still grading them differently, but you're making it relatively easy to pass. Um, so, I mean, that's another option, but yeah, of, of course, you know, if you just gave everybody a A, relatively few people would turn up. Um, I mean, the problem with, and you've hinted at this, when it comes to intellectual academic work, there's no obvious performance targets i mean with music it's kind of more objective even though you know make this idea that set, uh, taste is subjective uh, what good music is subjective but there's kind of like a clear objective standards like this is a symphony play it and there's better and worse playing this now of course you can say some are better and worse but i mean it's pretty obvious when you've done it bad because you played the wrong note um and in sports, it's obvious, you know, who wins or who loses, and it's all set up in that kind of competitive, naturally graded sense. But when it comes to what's a good history paper, well, I don't know. I mean, this is the problem. I mean, really, when it comes to sort of uh, grading and giving a mark, I mean, really, I mean, in my sort of idealized education system of like a of like the sort of highest sort of level. I mean, really, I think it, what would be more useful would be like personal commendation. You you have studied under Ed Faze and Ed Faze thinks you're a decent, you're you're a thoughtful guy, thoughtful philosopher, and that should just basically carry weight. Um, and then to my mind, carries more weight. Because again, trying to create the assessment criteria for what is a good paper is not obvious. Because the thing is, you could have some catastrophic bits, but then you could have some unbelievably insightful bits and the question is how do you grade it this has a technical term in like a level uk exam systems of, of a mixed response you know how do you grade it um so um i i think the um really when you can back in it papers i mean if it's good it's you know it has some insight to it i mean that's really what you're looking looking at really I mean, as one guy I listened to saying he was trying to publish with Oxford University Press, and it's like, you know, does it does it contribute to the discussion? And if so, you know, it's publishable. Um, and so this is the problem with grading is it's kind of looks like it's objective, but it's not. And the problem is to the extent to which you standardize things, you make it more objective, the worse the grading becomes. Because then you'll have to be subject to all these, these sort of criteria, which kind of make no sense. Uh, when well, they make sense in isolation, but they just sort of pr promote you not writing something interesting, but something that just fits the the framework where you can go, oh look, objective, I can do objective assessments and give you a high grade. So there is something fundamentally problematic about grades in. Um, in academic stuff, with the exception, say, of mathematics, maths, maybe engineering, uh, the sciences to some extent as well. But I mean, the 
philosophy, the social sciences, etc., especially bad with sort of grading once you get beyond whether something is literally true or false. But you do agree that, like, I used to find it annoying with this. Well, I think they're actually rationally in a utility maximizing position correct. You do agree that the the real purpose, the purpose, people don't care outside of school about like the actual topics they just care in particular employers you do you do entirely agree that like all that matters is passing the test yeah yeah, yeah. i mean this is sort of like a dehumanizing comment for a lot of i mean mark fisher knows this that's that's why i respect mark fisher he has to me a sober view of what the actual role of professors and i would say the pass fail thing is a kind of they're, they aren't much different than a, than a typical boss. Um, the only thing that the difference is, is, is in a, if you Kantianize things, like can you, can you will this thing universally? Um, I cannot, like, like if, 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 you know, if, as Nassim Taleb would point out, if the helicopter pilot does not fix the helicopter, the people flying it will crash. And, you know, as there have been studies on this, that if you force helicopter mechanics to, fly in um, their work, so to speak. So in that sense, their work is useful. University professors, I'm going to say this one more time, and then we'll get finished here, is they just don't have an explicit work function. And and, and you talk about the quote-unquote harder stuff. Um, the more I learn about like the philosophy of mathematics, the more dubious I become of, um, you know, people talk about economics as physica, physics entity. Well, I... I Physics looks more and more like a subjective field that isn't much different than philosophy. Actually, it's the same thing um, when you start getting into different interpretations and so forth. Um, and like the, you get into debates about where, where do numbers come from? Do numbers exist? Like, and why do they have explanatory power? So even even so even things like that. Um, so so I would say there's just like. Like the the social function, the reason why teachers get paid more than like tour guides, um, for example, because like if you go on a tour of like the a cathedral, no one's gonna test you on it afterwards. I mean, like, what's the difference between a tour guide and a teacher? I would say discipline, discipline and signaling. And the signaling, the only reason signaling has any payment for the employment thing, is because of the discipline nature of it, and it's like the you know the hidden curriculum. Um, that gets learned. So, so yeah, I think the tests are very valuable, and there's a sort of hidden violence. I think more critiques should be made at professors and um, teachers in the same way that you would attack ATF agents, FBI agents, IRS agents, and so forth, um, or as and, and drill sergeants and so forth. Um, I think I think their social status should be lowered. Um, especially in libertarian circles, in particular in left libertarian circles here. And I do think it's a problem that many writers and radicals work for this institution. I think that's one of the reasons why it doesn't get critiqued. Um, and we should be less pertinent about sports, sports washing and, and other things here. So that'd be my final comment here. Thanks for doing this episode. Maybe the analogy of a prison guard is overcooked. But, but then I would just say, like, well... Yet that's well, as you stated earlier, prison guards are useful if indeed justice exists. If indeed prison is considered humane, I actually would I would argue the death penalty is more humane than life in prison. Um, but that's not what the society thinks. So maybe in this sense, prison guards, you could just turn around and say, well, yeah, sure, teachers and professors are prison guards, and you know, and that's a good thing. Um, but then, can we do better? I think we can do better than the current existing system. Um, and I think one of the ways is to do it is to point out they have more in common with institutions they dislike than they like. Um, so if teachers were only tour guides or like internet lecturers, would you know? I mean, I, I've I've watched lots of college professors, but the ones I remember, like like the ones that matter, are the ones that I didn't want to watch, listen to, and that was their classes. That be my that be my final part. Uh, thanks for doing this show, Switham. Yeah, any further comments? Um, yeah, I mean, as I said, prison guards can be useful. I, I, I would defend individual maybe 
FBI agents, maybe. It can depend on the circumstance. I, I think we've got to be very careful to give too much of a blanket brushstroke, but certainly the, um, the, the social standing of teaching in libertarian circles, uh, or being a teacher rather than teaching, uh, in the current system should certainly be lowered, uh, even at the university level. I think that, that that's true. Um, so those would be my final remarks there. And I'd just like to thank everyone for listening. If you've enjoyed this, please share it with your friends and family and subscribe to, subscribe to us on Podbean and on YouTube. The more subscribers we get, the higher we get in the search rankings, the more people can access this material. And if you'd like to contact the show for any reason at all, please contact us at mindcrimelibertyshow at gmail.com. That's mindcrimelibertyshow at gmail.com. <laughs>